Has God ever seemed silent when you needed him? It's like you're pounding on the door, you're tapping on the window, you, you sneak a look inside and there he is reading a book. Doesn't he even notice you're there? What could he possibly be thinking? That's the subject that we're going to tackle on today's episode of In the Secret. Hello and welcome to In the Secret, a devotional podcast, and I am your hostess, Joni Scott. We are drawing near to the end of our study in Psalm 91. If you have not yet memorized this poetic verse full of God's love and promises, I encourage you to add that to your bucket list. I know you'll glean so much as you consider these verses and memorize them. And you'll also be able to pull them out frequently for whatever you face in the future. Well, let's take a look now at another fantastic promise. Psalm 91 verse 15 says, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. So who is this verse talking about? We know from the verse above it, verse 14, God is talking to the one who has set his love upon God. uh, Verse 14 also says, because he has set his love on me, therefore I will deliver him. So now in verse 15, that truth is reiterated. It's a double whammy. That means God means business. That really makes me see God as a loving and powerful philanthropist looking around, waiting for someone to bail out of trouble. He's kind of like Batman sitting in the Batcave, just waiting for that bat signal to glow in the sky so he can run and and rescue someone. (laughs) And I think he loves to rescue us. He loves to be our hero, not in a conceited, brazen way, but as the old-fashioned lover who looks for every opportunity to throws coat in the mud when his beloved is about to step in a puddle. He'll open her doors for her, take her arm on dangerous terrain. He's very chivalrous. Well, part one of verse 15 says, he will call upon me. So first of all, we have to put that bat signal in the sky. We have to call upon the Lord, ask him, talk to him. Tell him your frustrations and problems and needs. I cannot tell you how many times I have been thinking something like, what am I going to do about this big payment? And I'm mulling it over and I'm worried and I'm thinking and I'm planning. And then it occurs to me, I should ask God. When my children were younger once, I lost my car keys. Well, that was a big deal. We had a weekly outing scheduled at a nearby town that the kids really look forward to. And that caused all of us to frantically begin to scour every nook and cranny in our three-story home. My husband had the other key with him where he had gone to work. So we scoured and we searched and we complained. Occasionally, I would tell the kids, let's pray. And they would answer as they were lifting up a couch cushion for the fifth time. I have been. Well, finally, I stopped everyone. 
I called over my gang of five over to the living room. And I said, we are going to join hands and pray together. So all of the kids obliged. We took a deep breath, stilled our anxious minds, and each child in turn prayed. Their sweet little voices made me smile. I had to open my my eyes so I could see their precious faces. And when I did so, I noticed I was looking directly at my set of keys. They were one inch away from my face on top of our upright piano. I gently took them so that when the kids opened their eyes, there were the keys sitting in front of them. I've long remembered that incident. And a number of times it took stilling our heart and taking time to really look to God for the answer before a problem was solved, whether a big one or a small one. Then there's those times it seems that the bat signal's been in the sky a long, long time, and Gotham is being overrun with bad guys. Well, the Bible is full of accounts of waiting. I know, it's a bad word. I don't like to hear it either. Wait. Here where I live, right now, we have a blizzard going on outside. All the snow had just finally melted. And and my annuals were cautiously peeking little stems above ground when wham, 20 inches of snow. Now we have to wait for the sun to shine again and for it all to melt again. Arg, it feels like spring takes forever to come. Another thing we're waiting for is the coronavirus quarantine to pass so we can go to church and Bible studies and weddings and vacations. I miss my grandkids. I want to go visit them. And we don't know when this is going to take place. Again, it feels like forever. Well, Israel waited a couple thousand years for a promised Messiah. Meanwhile, they were taken into captivity and they had to wait for deliverance for uh, 400 years. And then God tells Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. If I was suffering as a slave in Egypt, I would hear that and think, but are you? If you could do something about it with one mighty hand wave, why haven't you? The psalmist David said in Psalm 37, verse 25, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Well, I concur with this statement because I often tell people I've lived long enough to know that when you hang on to God through the thick and thin, he will come through. I always picture Jesus wading in the wings on a white horse that's stomping its feet and puffing. He's ready to charge forth in majestic colors. He's ready to come and rescue me as soon as he hears my cry. In the book of Matthew, chapter 15, we see Jesus waving in the wings the same way. A Syrophoenician woman, which means a Canaanite woman, someone not of the seed of David, 
is following Jesus and his disciples around crying after him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And what is Jesus' response? Verse 23 says, Jesus did not answer a word. Have you ever had that happen? Jesus is silent, banging on the door, seeking, knocking, doing all the things, bat signals glowing, nothing. Jesus is doing that here. He seems to be completely ignoring this woman's pitiful cry. Why? Well, we're going to find out that Jesus knows her. And he knows that she is made of so much more, probably than even she realizes. And this woman knows Jesus because she's refusing to leave him alone. She knows that he does care. So she's not giving up. And his disciples, meanwhile, are like, Jesus, tell her to go away. She's bothering us. All of her begging. Well, I'd expect Jesus to rebuke these disciples for those callous hearts of theirs. Uh, Nope. He does the oddest of odd Jesus things. He says to the woman, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now that's a blow. What an insult. Jesus was saying, I wasn't sent to your people, only to my people. Oh boy, I can see the headlines the next day. All the Pharisees would be decrying Jesus as a racist. Still, this woman would not give up. She was probably thrilled that he actually looked her way finally. And she falls on her knees and she cries out, Lord, help me. And he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, dog here should more appropriately be called a puppy. The word means a little dog, a pet. Your family um, gets the food first, right? You don't give it to the puppies. And what Jesus said was true. He did come first to the Jewish nation. The Israelites were intended by God to be a special people who would in turn be a light to the nations. God's salvation was never to be hoarded, just to start start with the Jewish nation. Yet in rejecting Jesus, the door was opened for all to enter the holy place. God's word has always had a clause for foreigners and outsiders to play a role. In that instant, this woman could have buckled under the rejection. Instead, she presses forward and she agrees with Jesus. Yes, it is. Again, she knows him. She knows his name. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She's saying, I'll take even the crumbs. Crumbs are enough to heal my daughter. I don't need riches and glory and prizes. Lord, just give me the crumbs. Woman, Jesus responds, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed at that moment. Could it be that God knows what you are made of? 
His relationship with you is such that he knows he can be silent, even pull away from you a bit in order to actually draw you to himself. Her faith was such that she hung on despite others telling her to give up, go away, quit being a bother. But Jesus knew her and she knew him. And Jesus showed the world, we could even say set her on high and honor her, showed the world what true faith was by her determination and perseverance. Jesus' brother James compares our waiting to a farmer. He says in James chapter 5, verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Is your faith such that you will keep holding on even when Jesus is silent? He will come. Hang on. Set your signal in the sky for him and know he is coming as soon as the harvest in your heart is ready. He will charge out of the darkness on his glorious white steed and rescue you. You can't wait to do it. James also said, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Not the spoiled one who gets their answer lickety-split, but the ones willing to trust and wait in humble submission. He's coming for you. Hang on.